All right, hello. Welcome, welcome, Tales from the Secret Cabin. We are back. It is great to be here with you. And yeah, I just want to say some quick hello. So uh, who is here with us this time? Well, uh, I'm Stetson. Yes, and Stetson. The past two times I was here, I introduced myself by what I do. And I realized that you guys introduced yourselves by who you are. So coming here, I've been thinking about who am I? Mm. Wow. Um, so I'll, I'll describe myself like this. This is to redeem the past two times where I gave these really <laughs> boring answers. Uh, I would say, if you know me, you might think of me as a teacher, a cynic, a poet, a husband and father of a family I don't deserve, uh, a mentor, and a lover of tea. Nice. Aww. Which one of those are you feeling the most right now? Maybe, I mean, being in here, maybe the poet side of me comes out a bit, but probably part of a family I don't deserve mm -hmm. is kind of a constant, I'd say. Yeah, Very cool. Glad you're here. They're Thanks good people. Yeah. yeah, you're a good friend too. Oh, that one. Thanks, right? Jenny. Oh, Jenny's here. <laughs> I'll just take the reins. <laughs> I like how uh, lately we've been kind of saying, "Where am I at right now?" You know, who like I love that. So today is a beautiful day. Therefore, I'm in a glorious state of mind. <laughs> and I'm KJ. And, um, I'm in a place of, I am a guy who can't fix everything, That that's the place I'm finding myself. Um, I, uh, I got this thing from the IRS, um, saying they pulled up a past tax thing from 2018 and there was this tiny air, but had huge implications oh, wow. and, you know, and if someone's tried to call the IRS, um, it's a it mess. It goes really well. <laughs> and then on top of that, if someone who has a speech impediment tries to call the IRS, <laughs> it's a bigger mess. And um, and it's like this tiny little thing that could very easily be corrected. Yet I have to go through this computer system and it keeps saying, I'm sorry, I can't understand you. Can you please say... And I, I haven't felt so handicapped in my life and, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm just trying to own the fact that I need help and someone else to fix it for me. And that's a thing. So wow. that's the thing I bring to the table today. That's great. I don't even know if I mentioned I'm Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey, good to be here. I'm not even uh, sure. I need some help, Phil. Okay. I, I was going to say, I think we should just push the pause and stop and so, call the IRS. Your voice, not, your voice right guy. now is pretty perfect. The last person to help you with your IRS. Needs. I'm sorry, yes. I can't understand you. <laughs> yeah, right. I need some help, Phil. If Phil helps you, say, wait, is this Phil? We've yeah. been looking for Phil. <laughs> I have you right here from Stay where you are. Someone's heading your way. Oh, that's good. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, KJ, I, don't, I can't even continue this podcast without asking you about these three G.I. Joe figures that are above your head. Uh, yes. I don't think they've been there no, before. No, they're I, new. Okay, they've got to like, be new. You know, the most 
detail-driven person that would notice things like that, but it's very noticeable. So tell me about the G.I. Joe figures above your head. All right. So the G.I. Joe figures, there's four of them. And um, I see. Oh, there no, is four. there's oh, one on that side. Okay, yeah. the fourth there's is four of them. Um, so as a kid, I had every G.I. Joe. And I, I, I was like the ultimate GI Joe guy. It, it like fulfilled this part of my heart. Um, but the thing that had this bigger, this bigger purpose to the GI Joes had been. So every Tuesday, my dad, he would come home from the office and bring us toys. So every Tuesday, it was like this thing. It was like, sorry, I've been gone all day. I stopped at the store and brought you toys. And he he would always bring me G.I. Joe's. Oh, okay, guys, here we go. Um, Not even 10 minutes in. And so these G.I. Joe's had been the symbol of my father's heart for me. And like... Uh, and that like he took the time to go to the store before coming home. And so Tuesday after Tuesday after Tuesday, I would collect them. And uh, there was and I, I got to this point that that I had a ton of G.I. Joe's and um, both of my parents uh had had this heart to follow God, had this heart for, you know, the things that God was doing and and. There was this time um, that our pastor at the church did a sermon about um, how G.I. Joe's, the action figures, uh, different things in the toy, you know, saga experience, they actually had been evil and and how they they're they're just bad for kids and bad for our families. And because my parents had this heart for God and the pastors called these things super evil, they came home and they got out of garbage bag. Oh, and, and they just threw everything away. And that was kind of like them just taking my heart and throwing it away or my father's heart for me and throwing it away. And that was devastating. Um, and so as a father, I buy, you know, toys for my own kids. And I happen to tell them the, the story of, of my childhood and things that happened to me. And that, that particular story came up and, um, on my birthday, both of the kids were so excited to give me their presents for me and the presents that got me had been these gi joes and as i mean the Mm. kids did not have to explain anything Mm. it was kind of like them you know in this full circle experience saying i see you here's our heart for you and then it was like speaking to me to the childhood heart that I had. And then furthermore, like bigger picture, it was like God saying, I didn't tell the pastor to say that or something like that. It was like, that isn't from me. Here's your toys back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the story of the GI Joe. That's absolutely beautiful. Oh, uh, thanks for sharing. Wow. 
I had no idea what I was asking you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. Yeah, that opened up. No, uh, that's good. This huge part of my heart. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right on. Well, Stetson, what, uh, what, when was the last time you were here? I think it was months ago. Was it months ago? It's been a long what time. What were we talking about? St. Nicholas. No. Was the he first, came back. Was the first he one, He did come right? back. But then... I have no idea. <laughs> Oh, we, we talked about um, our friend who'd recently oh, died. Yeah. She was an artist. And that was the main takeaway I had from it. I forgot everything else. <laughs> That's good. Well, how, how have you been? What's What's been going on in the life of Stetson in the last few weeks? Well, I don't know. It's this. In, I, was wearing, uh, I was reading a Berenstain's Bear book to my kids. I don't know if you've ever read any of those. Everybody has. Okay. Yeah. All right. If you haven't, then <laughs> it's part it's of the human experience. Is it the well, messy room one. The... Yeah. So to those of you who haven't read any, you're missing out on the human experience. Yep. Um, you know who you are. And <laughs> <laughs> they're hanging their head down in shame, shame. right now. <laughs> they just turned off the podcast. They got on and Amazon. Lose the full collection of Berenstein Bears. <laughs> um, uh, but the book was about spring. And I think one of the opening lines was, it was an in-between time where nice. winter couldn't decide if it yeah. was winter or not. Summer couldn't decide if it was summer. And How are you so poetic and awesome? This is Berenstein Bears. This I is know, not me. But to find but it he, in he there. Started this thing he this felt is, poetic. Yeah. This is a direct quote from Berenstein Bears. What are, what's author Jan and... I don't know. They're Honestly, they're too wordy. It's like, all right, you could have like said this in like half the amount of sentences. But that first line was gold. But I feel like in so many facets of my life right now, it's an in-between time where mm. this season can't decide if it's mm. this season, that season can't decide if it's that. It's just in-between. Ah, that's great. Okay, well... Thanks for coming back. You're welcome. Yeah. That's thanks for having me. Yeah. This is a gift. <laughs> so we have a, a a fifth guest with us. We do. We do. Uh, and this person is here via a letter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I know we probably say this every single time, but I would be remiss not to mention it again. Anyone who takes the time to write a letter to us, we thank you so much. Uh, yeah, it's such a gift to us and uh, just to kind of hear what is going on, what in your heart and soul, what you're processing. So this is a letter from Jess. That might be all we really know about this person. We have a hunch of who she is, but we're not sure if and we're right. I think, did she put Jess in quotations? No. Okay. That was just me. But yeah. I was like, maybe she was, yeah. Anyways, the point being <laughs> is uh, just a great letter, just talking through different uh, things stirring. So I don't know, Jenny, you've got the letter in front of you. What, yeah. what stands out to you in Jess's well, letter? She's talking about a specific, uh, the goose episode. Um, and that was a good one. Yeah. And I love, there's just a Well, co- real quick, in case you haven't heard it, what's the goose episode? It was this idea of chasing after Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um this uh, the Jesus in, goose. Yeah, it was the Jesus goose, and the Celtic culture uh, compares God, uh, you know, like mm. to this crazy goose that people can't catch, and that's the fun of it, and um, yeah. that that's the desire of God. It's not to be caught; it's to to be pursued. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a podcast about, about that. So if but that has, is something that hasn't been heard yet, go back and play that episode. Yeah. She, she writes here, um, basically, re, you know, realizing, realizing that my God had not left me, 
but I got and get the privilege of the painful privilege of looking for him in places. Mm. And I was like, that is so honest. <laughs> like sometimes it's painful to find him, you know, and she ends it so beautifully. And she says, thanks for telling the truth and being an honest human expression of God's beauty here. And I was like, Oh, melt. Mm. Like, yeah. She talks a little more about her personal stuff in here, but those were just some really beautiful quotes that she put in there. Do you think finding Jesus is the painful part sometimes, or do you think it's the, the seeking? It's the seeking. Yeah. Okay, it's the hunting yeah. part. You think too? Wow, that's good. I think there's something even before the seeking. It's the, the understanding that mm. that that someone has to get up and go someplace different. Um, mm. It's the understanding of the place he had been is not the place that he is, and mm. you know, it's the unpredictability of a spiritual experience. I, I you know. Don't you think too, there's like a mourning piece of it because it's like, he's always been here. I've been able to find him here yeah. and now I can't. And so you kind of mourn the loss of feeling that that was your go-to and now it's trying to seek a different. Yeah. And I, I think there's like this paradox of, um, of he is found there in the seeking, but he often, he isn't ever found like the, the X that that's on top mm. of the treasure. People don't ever find it because they're actually standing on it the whole time. And so there's this paradox that there has to be the seeking and the finding. And as soon as you quit seeking, there is no finding, but you're not going to find because you're on it the whole time. And it's the understanding of that whole experience is the proverbial hunt. It, it, it is to find I don't know. Hmm. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that like four times. In order to... <laughs> <laughs> Something really rich in there. <laughs> I That's, know. Yeah. It's good. But you're going to have to My hunt for it. My brain will catch up. To... <laughs> but I had it the whole time. Yeah. But I got to go look for it. Yeah. I love it. Okay. But it's like that idea of <laughs> the, the simplicity of Christianity is simply that Jesus died for us that yeah. jesus pursued us that, that i mean like it's it's the song jesus loves me that's the only thing anyone ever has to understand in here however you go to church to hear sermons you play podcasts you get books you i mean it's just like this but but the only thing that all of that's going to bring mm. you back to on the day you die as you breathe your final breath it's oh i get it Jesus loves me. And that's it. Everything else is just chaos. All right. So that, that triggers, a, I got a couple different hunts we can go on, <laughs> but here's, here's one. I was thinking about this this morning. Uh, so we're again, we're, we're in the season of Easter. Um, it's coming to an end this, this, journey 40 days or 50 days depending on how you look at it but near the end of the season of easter obviously living in the reality of, of the resurrected christ being with us and experiencing that but but it's the ascension of christ that is near in this moment in time in this journey this this idea that he ascends um and even looking up a few things this idea of just the feast of ascension is towards the end of the easter season heading into pentecost but this idea of ascension like i found myself captivated by why 
why did Jesus ascend? What was the point of that? Because throughout this idea of of Jesus being with us, like he was just appearing. He 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 would be with the disciples on the road, right? And then he'd go somewhere else. He just appears somewhere, just appears somewhere. What is it about the ascension part of our our tradition that matters? Or why would that be a huge part of the story? So that's that's a hunt we can go on. What is it about the ascension that might be important? Not that we have definitive answers to that, but what do you think? What why does it matter that he ascended? I asked someone that really I did. <laughs> I asked someone that and it wasn't uh, me. No, I asked a f- friend of mine who's Episcopalian and I asked him that on good f- Friday actually. I was mm. like, "Hey, I'm I'm pulling up these different passages. Tell me the point." And this guy is he's a genius and he he knows he he's the guy I go to, and he goes, "I don't know," hmm. and and it puts me in that place of like, so as soon as you brought it up, I'm like, man, I hope someone else can carry the baton here, as Bruce said, uh, because <laughs> I just have nothing. Uh, it's a good st- story, you know. People they often talk about the character. of Peter and that story and that's it, but they don't talk about the theology of the Ascension. Yeah. Let me throw out, I don't think any of us know. So in that pressure, we're like, this is not a question of knowing, right? (laughs) but I do think it's intriguing in the hunting idea. Is there something for us? Like even in this moment, when you think about Jesus ascending, like how does it impact at all? Does it impact you in any way? Um, Just just responding to to. it. So as I was coming across those passages, then I asked my Episcopalian friend, I'm like, there are two things in the Bible I'm very uncomfortable with. Mm. But but it happens post-crucifixion. It's the the crucifixion happens and then Jesus descends down into hell. Explain that. He's like, I don't know. Mm. You know, I'm like how come the church doesn't talk about this? Because I am so interested. And then the other is the Ascension. Explain that to me. I don't know. And it, it kind of has mm. created these two open doors that I think that they often aren't talked about because they're not talked about. And, and because there aren't concrete things and because they're hyper spiritual and people are scared to be spiritual in their spiritual lives that no one ever talks about, but there's great potency. Hmm. I've always wondered if it's this aspect of like, he would just get in the way if he had stayed. Um, like he would just get to this point where he's like, please stop visiting me at my house. Mm-hmm. Like there's things to do. <laughs> like This is not the point. I mean, like from the very beginning, one of the first commandments was like, don't make any images of me and and don't worship those. And I wonder how much of that is just like, it's not the point and it it would just get in the way. I get that. I I get the idea of him saying, I have to go. But, But the actual physical ascension, like the prophets coming back and the tent and the... Why not just disappear? Yeah. Why not... Why not have a ball of fire come down and be consumed? Why not? Mm. Like, there's all kinds of ways to leave. Why ascend? In a fiery chariot, as a former prophet had. 
Well, I think it's pretty epic as is. Like, well, I'm not saying it's not epic. I just, but there's intentionality. Why? Like any, what's the poetry behind the ascension, oh great poet? <laughs> I didn't bring that up to be challenged on it. Well, yeah. you got to own it today. Poets don't perform on command. It was a time of in between. <laughs> that was Berenstein Bears. That was not me. Yes. That was a quote from a children's book. Jesus loves me, and that's the point. So. Berenstein Bears, so again, the Ascension. Obviously, I don't... <laughs> I, trying to figure out why from the outside perspective is going to be really challenging. If you think through, the, how does it impact you? What what does Ascension, how does that impact you? Is it just like, that's just what the story is and there's no impact? Or So again, in my mind, I'm like, there's a, there's a tangibility to it. There's a lingering. Like, there's something about had he just disappeared, had he just gone away, there'd be a lot of questions, but like, no, you can't deny, like there's this slower drawn out thing in my mind of what Ascension means. Mm. Like it has a quality to it. That's different than what, how he acted with the disciples the whole time he was on earth after the resurrection. Like he, he didn't float off anywhere from place to place, you know, he just kind of appeared and left and appeared. And then in this case, there was a dramatic moment he created. And he, and the other prophets have been there too. And I think there's something mm. important there because the disciple, he was more excited about the other prophets than he had been about Jesus. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. understandably so. I mean, he had spent that sure. a whole lot of time around Jesus. And then it's like, whoa. Um, and the things that they embodied. And mm. I don't, I mean, there's something in that too. It's like, did the other two have to show up? They did show up mm. and there was a purpose of that. Why? And the thing that happened under the tent or to be the guy who got the tent or he didn't get the tent. He proposed the tent. Mm. I mean, like <laughs> hospitality at its best. I need, I need a little more clarity on this tent thing. Like you guys, you guys are speaking a lot of uh, seminary here. No, that's not seminary. That's oh. like, Google. I, oh, go, oh, Google. Got it. Sunday I opened school. up my Google <laughs> to Matthew chapter. There you go. <laughs> Are you talking about like where Jesus goes up on the mountain with a few disciples and then Elijah and was it Moses? Yes. That appear with them? They come back. Okay. And I think it was Peter, Peter. who yeah. said, can I prepare a place for you? I'll get a tent. Like it was that kind of thing. And I, I'm kind of hazy here. This is kind of off the cuff. Yeah. And then they all ascended into heaven. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> Like, that's the coolest. Mm -hmm. um, Don't you it, want that on your tombstone? <laughs> your dates ascended to Exactly. <laughs> I heard an interesting perspective on that, on the tent. Like, growing up, I've always heard Peter just being given the hardest time. about I like Peter. You I imbecile, like, a tent? Is that really what's needed right now? <laughs> he Do you has have the hospitality Elijah gene. And Moses and the Son of God. But some wonder if... His mindset was like, well, we need the tabernacle back because mm -hmm. here is God. Huh. I don't know. Mm. So it's good. Yeah. But thinking about like when you were talking about it, I was like, what's the point of the ascension? It made me think of the part. I, I wonder if it's connected to something Jesus said not that long before that of telling the disciples like he's going to go back to his father's house and prepare a place for us. And maybe just like that visual of him leaving was just an affirmation of that's that's the plan and there's like a whole bunch behind that but i don't know 
I like that. I also like the idea of the opposite of the ascension. So Phil brought up, well, he could have just vanished. Right. True. But he didn't just vanish. He did something. Yes. He showed something. He pointed to something. He embodied something. And and it's 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 kind of this like he could have just vanished and disappeared, but he didn't just appear. He put on a spectacle. He showed on purpose as the invitation to almost participate, to see, to behold, to have hope, to um, if I am in the spot of the disciples and I, uh, I, I have doubted everything and they have. I think by seeing that, by seeing the fulfillment of the prophets that Jesus talks about, uh, and you have to think like uh, the prophets who are there are Moses and Elijah and Moses, his symbolic of the first five books, the Torah, and then the prophets, I know. And so you have the old Testament texts and then, so Jesus talking, I've come to fulfill these things. There's this idea of here we are all together in flesh and blood ascending into heaven. Um, in contrast to the baptism of Jesus, where the dove symbolic of the Holy spirit is coming down upon Jesus and there, and do you see what I mean? Like there's this profound hand holding and there's this, this prophetic voice that Jesus has said, I can't stay here, but I will send a helper. And he's talking about the Holy spirit, ascension, descension type Mm. of, of thing. And so he goes up. So spirit comes down type of hope and heartbeat and they saw it all happen there's something in that for me that's really good and being human beings i i can't discount the value of the census um Mm. the early church does such a great job uh, you know like creating the things that you can see that you can touch that you can smell you can feel you can taste and and they bring in like kingdom vocabulary into all these things they have the incense they have the honey they have the crucifix they have i mean like it it isn't just a sermon do you know what i mean and so, so like you cannot discount the value of the disciples actually seeing it or hearing the prophets talk to Jesus in, and and that whole idea. And, you know, God bless Peter for saying, can I get you? I mean, that'd be the same. I mean, I'd be like, can I bake you cookies? I mean, like, what do I do? You know, like, I feel like I need yeah, to do something. I need to do something, but I don't know what, but all I have is cookies. Um, God bless Peter because he's inspired to, to actually do something. And he's inspired to get a tent. And the idea of a tent is like, 
can I build a church? Yes, that's exactly the thing that you are supposed to do, but not here. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's great. Yeah, the the human angle on that is really fun to think about, not only just from Jesus's perspective and, you know, like I said, we'll never know the actual why, but you know the heart there is to to come at it from our perspective, to, to do something that matters to us, not about him in that regard. Um, but the point of that being too is, you know that after that happened, the disciples still were as confused, if not more confused. It wasn't like a robotic switch got flipped. And oh, now now we're just going off and running because Jesus left. It's like, okay, now what? We're supposed to go wait. We're supposed to go pray for a few days and see what happens. Like everything was so gray. Even the ascension was gray. Um, but there is something deeply human in how that was communicated or why that was chosen. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Weren't there a couple angels that showed up? Right after that, so why? Because they weren't leaving. Right? Yeah, I was like, why are you still standing <laughs> why are here? You, he's gone. <laughs> Go, dummies. <laughs> he's not coming back. I think they were more gentle. <laughs> they were like their, waiting for the finale. Like, that. Something <laughs> else gonna happen. The fireworks over. <laughs> right, like, <laughs> like, yeah, that thirty seconds after a firework show. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. Was that like a fake ending? That's right. Yeah. Was that, that it? Better that, that it's about it? to happen. Oh, no, you're just gonna get crucified now and stoned to death. That's the finale for you. Yeah. All right, so here's here's another um, rabbit trail, and it might it might connect to what we're talking to too. So that'd be fun. But uh, quick backstory: so I had had this experience this past weekend. Uh, some friends in, of ours, uh, we all traveled to uh, San Antonio, Austin area, which was a lot of fun. And if you've been down to that part of the country at all, um, San Antonio has this thing called the Riverwalk. And so Riverwalk is in downtown, but they've created another kind of area just outside, a couple miles outside. Uh, called the Pearl District, and now you can walk from the Pearl District to the Riverwalk. So we're 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 doing this this walk, and kind of halfway between both of those places, uh, we we stumble upon this um, really fun environment, and the the place that we stopped uh, had a tagline, and this tagline has uh, I don't know it's been very inspiring to me, but it's it's caused me to really want to unpack why it's so inspiring, and maybe it inspires us. So here's the tagline. It was a place called Elsewhere, and the tagline was Curating Divine Nonchalance. Okay. Curating Divine Nonchalance. And when we read that, I was like, I want that so bad. <laughs> Whatever that is. I want divine is. nonchalance. And the whole place was swings and hammocks and cornhole and food trucks and music and whatever they wanted to put there. It was called Elsewhere? It was called Elsewhere. So basically, you could go Elsewhere. In a place wow. where they were curating divine nonchalance. Does that resonate at all? And I think for me, there was just this sense of so much of my life is productivity. Mm-hmm. It's getting my head around things. It, uh, but it's not whimsy. It's not nonchalance. It's definitely not divine nonchalance. And just longing so much to to have a life full of encountering God in the whimsical, in the free, in the unproduced spaces. And what gets produced in those spaces uh, can be pretty special. So it's probably, there was a point to in the beginning, God created this garden and he put people on it that didn't have any clothes on and said, 
it's yours. And he didn't create a city and cubicles and suits and ties mm. and churches and said, time to sing songs. <laughs> right. In fact, the first thing that he called holy wasn't a place or a location or a thing. It was the Sabbath. Yep. It was time. It was, mm. hey, it's the B- Berenstein Bears. Yeah. <laughs> it's the place in between. The in-between place. So why is it when I think about things that I do with other followers of Christ, I don't use nonchalant types of things as much as I talk about other things? Like that feels like this was not a Christian experience. It was not a church. It was not, you know, this was just humans moving towards something. But there was something within them that said, this is, this is worth our time on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, hundreds of them experiencing that. Well, I think that was the part of the quote that I got hung up on yeah. is that paradox between curating and nonchalance. Exactly. Like nonchalance is like perfectly relaxed, like no effort, calm, no anxiety. But to curate something is to put all your intentionality into like making something perfect. So is it possible to curate nonchalance? And I think that's kind of what you're into. Cause like for the vocation that I'm in, I feel like that's a huge part of my job. How can I like curate something that's going to feel really natural yeah. to somebody else? Only when it's divine. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing yeah. is, is for the curator, they almost miss out for the mm. ones like receiving. It's like, yeah. yeah, but it's, it's kind of the curse of the curator of like, mm. if their product is nonchalance, the effort putting into making that happen it, they don't get to, I don't know. It's like I, Moses not getting to go into the promised land. It's like, I'll lead you here, but I'm going to stay behind. I found myself wishing that Tales from the Secret Cabin was curating divine nonchalance. Am I wrong in thinking that? No. Why? I think because it is something that we are intentional about setting time aside to do it. But what is, you know, what's made in here is very nonchalant, but it becomes, I feel, very divine in the, in the product that we get out and the fruit that we personally get out of it. Yeah, I think the idea of curating nonchalance says, I see who people are and they are tired. And, um, and I think there is this experience of the gospel or the voice of Jesus that says that same thing that says, man, I see you and you are tired of striving. Mm-hmm. I see you and you are burnt out on trying to do all the right things or believe the right things. I see you. And, you know, there's a p- passage, um, and the, the gospel Matthew, I think it's chapter 20, that the says, so are you, so are you t- tired? Are you burned out? You know, follow me, you know, um, as if the, the gospel is the invitation for tired, p- burnout people and following him is going to bring you fullness from being tired. And I think that's the, um, the thing that that actually brings 
joy in doing this podcast is a bunch of us come here really tired of doing everything else. And it's like a place just to be us and to be friends and Mm -hmm. to hang out and to talk about the things that actually inspire our hearts, like the Berenstein Bears and (laughs) GI Joes. And then that somehow ties into the ascension of Jesus Christ, where no one has any idea what that means (laughs) to then talking about just breathing and saying it's all going to be okay. Because in the end, the only thing that's important is that Jesus loves us and that's it. And so Yes, that heartbeat and that quote hits home hard. Mm. Mm. Well, thanks. Thanks for going there with me. I've been trying to get my head and heart around why it leapt when I read that mm-hmm. and why, why people feel like they have to go elsewhere for it. Because uh, it seems to be a huge part of what it means to be human, but also created in the image of God and to experience that together. And in some weird way, it seems to be the reason why Jesus ascended. And I haven't quite figured that part out yet, but there is, he's curating something there too. And I've been trying to figure that out too. Mm. So, Well, I think that that's a big thing. Like you just indicated, it's like he's curating. Like who's the curator, I mm. think is what I really need to be mindful of. Because as long as I'm trying to be the curator, I'm going to miss out. But like, just like you talk about, it's like this time together, it's as if things were laid on the table for us to just partake of. But none of us laid it on the table, yet we partake. But if we tried to force it, this would feel entirely different. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times the church tries to force it. And we try to curate our own divine nonchalance. And... We miss out. That's so good. Mm-hmm. So just before Phil brought up this idea of the, the casual nonchalant <laughs> thing, you know, something happened as far as the SD card for this podcast. And there was a pause. And the first thing I thought was, I can't do this again. Like, yeah. I can't fabricate right. the conversation right. that just happened. It's over. That right. that baby was <laughs> born and grew <laughs> up and it walked away. And I'm done. Um, and, and I think there's value to that idea that there isn't pretending here. This is just the authentic truth of our journey. And I think God enjoys it. That's the thing I think about the the Tales from the Secret Cabin uh, times is I feel like God has fun and he's like, yeah, that was a Talk good one, guys. This. Like, thanks for being honest. Like, that was good. I'm like, high five, you know, and mm. there's just something in that that I think is beautiful. Mm. What do you what do you think? I don't know, the role or the balance or the tension, whatever you want to say in terms of being the curator and not being the curator, because there's a lot of life in in, at least for me, looking at my life and saying, man, I would love to curate that for other people. Um, and I fully agree. Like, I'm not going to experience it. That's that, that is a reality. I'm, I'm not superhuman. <laughs> I can't both experience that and, mm-hmm. and curate it, but I love curating. I love being intentional, you know, and, and I think a lot of us have the same heartbeat there. So how do we navigate that? Or how do we hold that intention of also choosing the environments that have been curated for us and embracing those too, because again, for me, those are incredibly life-giving as well. So any thoughts there? Yeah. I I think again, like 
in the beginning, God created this garden. Like God was the first gardener and he created this garden. He created the earth. He created this thing. And then he created people in his image and said, be a gardener. Uh, it's a simple, like, mm. it's be like, this is what I enjoy. This is what I do. And now I create you to do what I do types of things. And like, it's, it's true. Like there is so much joy to be found in, in the heart of Peter saying, can I get a tent? Can I bake cookies? Like, yeah. how do I curate this experience yeah. for yeah. the great prophets? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. what an honor. And the, the honors on Peter, the curator of that experience. And he's trying to tap into it or harness, you know, his heartbeat for the experience that's at hand. Compared to, I mean, like, yeah, I think at the same time, at the same time, the ascensions happen at the same time that, that Moses, Elijah and God himself are standing there and Peter's freaking out. There are thousands and thousands of people in the temple courts pursuing to hear God. But God isn't there. He's on a mountain and all the great prophets. Like mm-hmm. at the same time, like the feet of God are on the earth. I don't know. I think to answer your question, maybe. Going um, back. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Anyways. But who, no, who are you today? I think I th- not all the way. Not all the way back. But um I this this concept of nonchalant, right? And like the, what you would create, what you would curate, you know, it would be completely different than what Stetson would curate. And so being able to accept those nonchalantments, you know. That's a great word. Like individually from each person, you know, I think is, is something to really kind of harness and... um appreciate it's i feel like there's there's inherent negativity it's probably cultural but inherent negativity towards nonchalance mm-hmm. even the word you're like mm-hmm. can is there such a thing as divine nonchalance mm-hmm. uh, but i'm thinking through a lot of our stories things we've shared mm-hmm. you know you know road trips create moments of nonchalant or even just you know, incredibly meaningful experiences i've had sometimes it's when you get through all the stuff it's when you have that moment where it isn't about production, it isn't about um, knowing the next thing to do, but there's there's just space and time and open ended, and you're losing track of things, and you're not sure what time it is. And, and those in those moments, it can be nothing, but it could be incredibly divine. And yeah, I, it it just seems like a lot of our stories of how we and when we encounter Christ are in very nonchalant types of moments. And so, yeah, the, the differences and how that mm-hmm. impacts us. But all right. Well, let's see. KJ cried. Mm-hmm. We talked about a dead person rose again, but at least check the box. Who's <laughs> going to sing a song? 
Well, I think it was KJ sings every time. It yeah, wasn't. it has to happen spontaneously, Some, and I need. What about to the food? Did so. we talk about food at all? He didn't. Man, okay. we broke the pattern. Uh, this is like pioneering was, a new podcast really entirely. This is very nonchalant. <laughs> All right. Well, it's great being here, Stetson. Thanks for being here as well. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, everybody take care until next time.